Good morning, everyone. It is so great to see all of you here this morning. Uh, welcome to New Hope. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And if you're visiting online, we're thankful to have you. Please don't forget to fill out the tablet or a card for information. And first-time visitor, please get a gift from the front. Um, that would be wonderful. We have a few announcements before we get started in worship today. Um, just a reminder, there is a baby shower today for sweet little Jackson. Um, what an exciting day this is for everyone. So please, if you can come out to that, that would be great. Tomorrow, so this is, I'm calling this the, the VBS Preparation Week. And we, VBS is officially underway in my mind. So tomorrow is a work day for anyone that can come and help. Um, there's a couple of us that will be here at 9 a.m. to bring in some large um, panels for the main stage and sets that we're building. So if you can come at 9 a.m., we'll be ready to help. I mean, we would love for your help to work. And then at 6 p.m., I'm going to have another time where you can come and help us finish um, because I think this is going to be a very big job. And I would really appreciate anybody that can come to help um, in any way. I will also be here all throughout the week decorating around the campus and getting things ready. So if you can't come tomorrow but you would love to help in some way, I have things for you to do. So just text me um, text me or call the church and I will get in touch with you about that. We still need helpers that I know are going to be here um, throughout the week. So if you will please go and sign up for anything that you can do at VBS. We are in need of a few more adults to help throughout the week. Um, I think that's all. It's going to be great. If you would go ahead and start praying for VBS, this is a really big event that our church hosts and life-changing for kids and families. The last day of VBS next week will be a big family event where all of the families are invited, and I hope that everyone at our church shows up for that just to minister and meet people and, and greet them and pray with them um, because it's not just for the kids. It's for the parents to when I know as a mom, when my kids are loved on and I feel welcomed through them, I want to be a part of that. So let's do that together. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be in this house of worship, a place that we can get away from everything else and come together with other believers and worship in your name, to sing praises out loud with others, to publicly worship in a way that so many Christians are not able to do. We are thankful, and I don't want us to take it for granted, Lord. As we pray, I just want us to think about those that cannot do what we're doing, those that are in underground churches or are sneaking Bibles through customs or in prison for what they do, because that is real and that's going on right now. People killed who lose their families, who lose their lives, Lord. Thank you for this freedom that we have, and let us not take it for granted. We know, God, that we will be judged, Lord, on what we know, and, and we have access to your word 24-7. We have Bibles at every turn where we are, Lord. Let it not become common to us, but put into our minds, Lord, every moment that we need you, that we need to pray that your spirit will guide us, that we study your word so it's in memory, Lord, so that we know you in a way that you desire for us to know you, that we can share it with others. Thank you so much for the worship that we are going to do together. Thank you for every human being in this room today, Lord. Wherever they're coming from, whatever they're dealing with, Lord, you know and you are here to meet those needs. 
So let them be open to that, God. Let their hearts be softened to whatever you have for them so that they can become renewed in your spirit, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, it is good to be back in the house of the Lord. It is good to be back in the house with my church family. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been uh, been here, and I want to say a special thank you to uh, Tony Burnett uh, a couple of weeks ago for filling in, did a fabulous job, and the youth last week, man, they were awesome, weren't they? They did a really good job as well, and uh God's word just continued to be lifted up and honored, and we just praise God for that. Um, but for me, June was a busy month. 
I went to the Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans, and then we spent some time at the beach in the mountains with our family, and <clears throat> I called Mama one day, and we were at the beach, and, and she said, man, it, Russ, it's terribly hot. It's like 95 degrees here. I said, hmm, it's 85 here. <laughs> and then we got to the mountains, and she said, man, it's like 93 here. I'm like, it's 73 here. And so I escaped the heat for the last couple of weeks, and, and man, I am so grateful for that. But, you know, as, as anything like that, as we tried to get our whole family together the, for at least a portion of the time, uh, it just didn't work out. We were short one son-in-law at the beach. Other than that, we would have had everybody there. But uh, anyway, it was a great time. Uh, but in the traveling throughout the, I guess, the southeast throughout the month of June, I've seen a lot, and let's just say a diversity of our culture, a diversity of our culture and the way people live and, and, and the way that they're carrying out their life. <clears throat> our Southern Baptist Convention was held in New Orleans. <laughs> that right there ought to give you a tip, right? New Orleans, where I was, was just, uh, it was the darkest, most oppressive city that I think I've ever been to. Um, yes, I visited Bourbon Street, and man, there was a lot going on, I'm telling you. Uh, that was the place of evil and sin, for sure. It was from there that, that sin invaded the rest of the city where I was, and, and I know the uh, the theological seminary is there, which Sybil uh, and, and, and her husband attended uh, a few years ago. And uh, she loves New Orleans, still does, but just like every city, every town has a dark spot. It doesn't matter where you go or what you do, there's, there's a, every city has that dark place. <clears throat> we were downtown New Orleans and, and just a few blocks off of Bourbon Street and there between that in the convention center and it was uh, again it was a, a dark place and, and so just within a few blocks of that make up Bourbon Street there there was countless bars alcoholics gambling prostitution rainbow flags celebrating uh, homosexual lifestyle transgenders walking up and down the street fortune tellers tarot card readers witchcraft voodoo drugs and homelessness all of that within just a few blocks. And from there, it, it, it filtered out into the city. Yes, there was some of that at the beach. There was some of that at the mountains. Yes, there's some of that right here in Cleveland County. Yes, there's, there's even some churches that are okay with some of this activity. This past week, I, was, I, I came across an article and in, in one passage in particular that from that article that maybe explains what I've seen and why I've seen it. And I'll share you a little bit more about that article in just a few minutes. But, 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 but first, the passage that caught my attention came out of Acts chapter 10. If you want to turn to that, we're going to be uh, working through Acts chapter 10 this morning. <clears throat> and then we're going to land on and focus on Acts chapter 10 verse 28. And that's the story of, of Peter's vision. We see in Acts chapter 10, Peter, who is a, who is a Jew, has, has a vision to meet with a Gentile centurion, Cornelius. At the time, many of the Jews were 
uh, or the Jewish Christians were continuing in their uh, Jewish tradition of worship and practices. But it's imperative to remember that, that the Jews didn't and, and weren't allowed to associate with Gentiles. Cornelius was a Gentile. And they weren't allowed to associate them with them because of the Mosaic law. And, and, and so to visit with them was even worse. Not just to associate with them, but here Peter's been called to go and visit in the home of a Gentile. Think about this. If, if the Jews at that time, if they visited a Gentile or went to the Gentile's house, they would have been considered ceremonially unclean. And so even the mere thought of, uh, of visiting some, a Gentile's house would have been revolting and nauseating to a true Jew. In Acts chapter 10, verse 28, is the passage on which this article I'm going to refer to in in a minute is based and it's from this article and in this passage that we find that that much of the world's justification for the ungodly behavior that's taking place in our in our culture is found and so as we work down to acts chapter 28 or verse 28 i want us to to see what leads us up to that and how things progress through the chapter so if you will in acts chapter 10 verses 1 and 2 we're, going to be, we're not going to read it all or study it all, but we're going, to, we're going to hop and skip along through it. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. And he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. If you look back in Acts chapter 9, verse 30, we see that Paul had already been to Caesarea and the area and, and preached the gospel in the area. So it's likely that, that many of the people of the day had already heard some of the stories of Jesus and some of the workings and teachings of Jesus. It says here in verses 1 and 2 that Cornelius was a, was a devout and a God-fearing man. It says that he was a generous man. It says that he, that he prayed. But he needed to know more about this man Jesus that he was, and the God that he was praying to. And so he summoned Peter to come and tell him more about the Savior, about the Messiah. But as we look at the characteristics of, of Cornelius there, it doesn't say that he's a follower of Jesus. But he says he's a devout man, a man of prayer, a generous man. That can describe anybody. It can describe uh, uh, the Muslim, the Hindu, the Jew, the, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness. Any other religious group of people can be generous and devoted to their particular religion or to their God, but not to Jesus. And so Cornelius is wanting to know more about what's going on. In today's world, Cornelius might be might be referred to or, 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 or might be a person that attends church uh, on special occasions. Maybe he comes on Christmas or Easter, uh, special youth events or children's events, plays in the sort. But he wasn't a follower of Christ. 
Acts chapter 10 goes on to say that while Cornelius was praying, an angel of the Lord came and appeared to him and, and instructed him to call for Peter to come to his house and tell him more about Jesus. And then in, in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16, it says about noon the following day as they were in their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So Cornelius had prayed. Now Peter is found praying. Since he became hungry and wanted something to eat and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a deep trance. He saw heaven open up like a large sheet being let down on earth and it's four, by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and was reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Then the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken up into heaven. Notice that Peter questions what God wants him to do. In fact, he tells God no. Again, it's pretty clear here what, what, what God said. Kill and eat. And Peter's like, I've never done this before. I've never eaten anything unclean or impure. impure. <laughs> no, I, I can't do this, God. How many times have we done that in something we feel the Holy Spirit leading us to do? God, I can't do that. I've never done that before. I'm not ready to do that. I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not prepared to do that. God tells Peter, do it. He tells him that, it says three times. Now remember that, 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 that Peter is living in the post-Pentecostal area, post-Pentecost area, era. But yet he's still living under the law, under the Mosaic law. He's still considering the, the, the food unclean, even after God told him to eat it. But God's message for Peter in that particular setting was that he is no longer living under the law, under the Mosaic law, but he's now living under grace. Praise God. You see, under grace, God is saying that you can eat meat or not eat meat. Some food may be, may, may be better for your health or not. Some may uh, increase your blood pressure. Some may give you indigestion or heartburn, but none of it is going to affect your spiritual condition. In fact, Matthew writes in Matthew 15, 17 through 20, <clears throat> he says, Do you, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. And so Peter gets this message, and then, 
And then Peter receives the invitation from Cornelius to come to his house. When he gets to Cornelius' house, he knocks on the door and, and Cornelius opens the door and, and it says that he fell at Peter's feet to worship him. And Peter's like, man, get up. I'm just, a, I'm just a regular old man just like you. I've come to tell you about the Savior for it's not me. I'm not the Savior. And, and so Cornelius welcomes him into his house and, and folks, think about this. To enter the, 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 the Gentile's house for, for Peter... Man, this was a huge step. This was something big. This was forbidden by Jewish law. And so he was at a, at a, at a crisis of belief in his, in his new belief in Christianity. Am I going to continue doing what God asked me to do or rather told me to do? Or am I going to revert back to my old way? You see, I think a lot of the problem in our culture today is a lot of Christians, a lot of people are reverting back to their old ways and the old ways of the world and not continuing on with what God wants them to do, is leading them to do and calling them to do. But God tells him, it's okay. God tells Peter, it's okay. Because now, because of grace, because of the resurrection, both the Jew and the Gentile are welcome into the kingdom of God. Praise God that we are now welcome, amen, into the kingdom of God. And so it's okay for him to go into the house. Then we get down to Acts 10, verse 28, and, and, and here's the verse I was talking about. He said to him, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. So he's telling Cornelius, you know this is wrong for me as a Jew. But be reminded, he is not a Jew anymore. He is also a Christian, a Messianic Jew. And he says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And he's talking about the nation, the, the group of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. People are using this verse to say that no one's actions should be called impure or unclean. Essentially to, uh, essentially to say whatever people do is okay. And, and folks, we're seeing that mindset in our culture today, in our world today. Regardless of, of one's actions, this thought would be that everyone should be accepted. And I agree, everyone is accepted or should be accepted, but the Bible says only after confession and repentance. But that's not what this new thought is. The new thought going around our world today is that anything is okay. And it comes out of a movement called Deconstructing Christianity. and attempts to, It attempts to break down and tear apart everything we believe about God. Now, yes, a certain person, uh, bit of, uh, of questioning our, our faith is good for understanding, but not to the point of perverting doctoral uh, truths that have been established for centuries. But that's what's going on in our world today. It, it questions everything about your religion, about your religious doctrine, and about church. And if we're not careful, it's going to lead to a great deal of heresy and the approval of all sin. And folks, that's where we're headed. It, it's clear to see that. 
This Christian deconstruction is being done intentionally and overtly to change the basic tenets of Christianity. It's being done covertly through media and education. And this article that I want to refer to is titled, Why America, Need, uh, Why America Needs an Acts 10.28 Moment. It's by Kevin, uh, Keith Giles. It's important to note here that in the article it has in parentheses, formerly a licensed and ordained minister who walked away from the faith. We're seeing this time and time again where church leaders are leaving their faith. But he said based on Acts 10, 28, where everybody is, is deemed clean and pure, he says that means that no one is rejected. Not one is excluded. Not gay people, not transgender people, not Muslims, not atheists, not Democrats, no pro-choice, not Black Lives Matters, not uh, Marxists, not anyone anywhere at any time for any reason. To put it another way, God has shown us that everyone is clean and everyone is holy. Yes, everyone. And he continued, how many more times will we need to hear this or to have it explained to us before we really, really embrace this fundamental truth of the gospel? Folks, this form of deconstructing the Christian faith is becoming a very prevalent and extremely dangerous concept in our society. Again, it's also known as leaving the faith. It's attempting to redefine evangelical Christianity. It's dismantling the, 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 the Christian's understanding of their faith. One author and co-founder of the website Desiring God, John Bloom, puts it this way. He says, deconstruction is a process. Deconversion is a result. See, by rethinking our faith with a worldview, we're giving the, the opportunity to, to sin without consequence. It leaves us with the idea that there, there is no true faith nor a one true God. Moreover, with artificial intelligence on the rise, support is growing for AI to be uh, to, 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 to write or to rewrite the Bible, to be more inclusive and a, a universal version of the Bible, which leads to universal acceptance of everybody. And that would fit right into this current day movement. But by saying that, that everyone is clean and everyone is holy and everyone is accepted into the kingdom of God, Giles is saying that all sin is acceptable. With this mindset, it gives unfettered approval to sin this mindset opens the door for, for wickedness and evil to rise to the level of end times prophecy but this is by no means what Peter was wanting to convey in this passage he's saying that, that salvation was once for Jews only but now it's also for the Gentiles, for everybody that will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
And let me, let me tell you that this new way of thinking isn't just this one author's opinion. It's a trend that's gaining traction all across the country. But the truth is, if we break that down a little bit, if everyone is accepted, there's no accountability for sin. If there's no accountability for sin, there's no need for repentance. If there's no accountability, there's no need for a Savior. If there's no need for a Savior, there's no need for Jesus, who is God with us, to be born of a virgin, or to live a perfect sinless life, or to die on the cross, or to be resurrected. If everyone is acceptable in our sinful form, there's no need for a church. If everyone is acceptable in their sinful state, what we're doing here is just a waste of time. Folks, let me make something abundantly and perfectly clear this morning. If you haven't heard anything else that I've said this morning, I want you to hear this, that the Word of God, the Bible, is true. It is the inspired, God-breathed, infallible Word of our Creator to, to mankind. It's not to be parsed, it's not to be changed, not to be reworded or watered down to fit our lifestyle. It's not to be, we're not to cherry pick verses and shape it to, to fit our life or our lifestyle. We're not to make the Bible conform to our life, but we're to conform our life to the Bible. And folks, sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Because the Bible wants us to do things that we as humans don't like doing or don't want to do. But we have to surrender to God's will. You see, God's word says that in Romans 3.23 that everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of that sin is death. And so here the Bible clearly tells us that that sinful life, that sin in your life, there's a price to be paid for it. Whatever you're involved in, whatever, whatever thing that's keeping you from God, whatever sin in your life, there's a debt to be paid for. And either you will pay for it or Christ has already paid for it. But here that, that verse is clear that, that there, a price has to be paid for that sin. Peter makes this clear on the day of Pentecost when he preached to 3,000 or preached and 3,000 people received Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he follows that up in verse 38. And Peter replied, Repent. Repent. In essence, to say, Turn from your evil ways, turn from your sinful ways, and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit folks we cannot remain in our sin or in our lifestyle of sin and still receive salvation Jesus told the woman at the well to go and sin no more in Galilee in Mark chapter 1 Jesus said repent and believe the good news in Mark chapter 11 verse 20 Jesus denounce the towns that refuse to repent. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus said to the Pharisees, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. 
In Luke 13, 3, Jesus tells the religious crowd. Jesus tells the crowd in the church. You hear that? Jesus tells the religious crowd, unless you repent, you will perish. And finally, in Luke, Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse nine, he says, "The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understood understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, everyone to come to." repentance you see that verse there Peter is telling us that their action has to be taken on our part we have to repent of that sinful life and that sin in our life not that everybody is pure and, and acceptable and holy Revelation chapter 9 verse 20 and 21 John the revelator writes the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Yes, my friend, the kingdom of God is for everybody. But the unrepentant heart leads to eternal death and separation from God. But accepting Jesus as the only Son of God, believing that He died on the cross, that He was raised to life on the third day, repenting of your sin and putting faith in, your faith in Christ, that will lead to eternal life in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today that nobody knows when their last moment on this earth will be. Nobody knows. Last Sunday, four people I knew passed away. Last Sunday. Two were very unexpected. One I played ball with, the other was my aunt. Two other ones were just former business associates. But we never know. You see, everybody has an appointed time to leave this earth. There's no escaping it. You know, we, we, we go to the doctor and we get our, our health updates and we take our medicines and all this and, and, and that it's good, it prolongs the inevitable, but ultimately it's going to come. And after that moment comes, there is no turning back. 
you have either chosen Jesus in heaven or you have chosen the world's way and hell for all of eternity. And eternity is a very long time to be wrong. Have you done that today? Have you confessed the Lord as your, as your Savior? Do you believe in your heart that, that Jesus is God's one and only Son? You might say, yeah, Pastor, I have, but, but then look in the mirror. And are we living a life that represents a life of a Christian? Are we living the life, the kind of life that tells the world, I belong to Christ, or are we, li are we living a, a life that tells the world, I'm one of the world? Jesus tells the religious crowd, unless you repent, you will also perish. He didn't say those who know me. He said the religious crowd. Kind of goes back to Cornelius, one who maybe came to church occasionally or didn't have a relationship with Christ that knew a little bit but, but wasn't all in for Christ. He's calling us today. For whatever it is in your life, whatever you're dealing with on, a, on, on the sin front, what is it you're dealing with to bring that to the cross today, to bring that to the altar and, and give it to the Lord and seek repentance and to turn away from whatever it is that has a hold on you, whatever it is that's, that's keeping you from an even deeper relationship with Christ. And you see, we can only do that because of the old rugged cross. That old rugged cross made it possible for us to bring our sins to Christ and allow forgiveness to come. We're going to sing that hymn right now, the, the, the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. Whatever it is you're dealing with in your life, whatever it is you need to confess to the Lord, you can sit in your, in your pew, bow at your pew, come to the front, come to the altar, whatever it is. But make it right with God before you leave. Make it right in your heart. Do away with that obstacle, with that barrier that's, that's between you and God right now. And allow your relationship with God to be mended and, and begin to mature it to a deeper level. Because that's what He ultimately wants from all of us. To know Him, to know Him more, and to make Him known. You come as we sing. Father in heaven, God, we do thank You for the cross for the blood that was shed on the cross, but Lord, more than that is that old empty tomb. It's because of that that we have a hope of a resurrected life too, God, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we have the privilege to come to you, to seek forgiveness of our sin, to seek that hope of eternal life. And so God, today, whatever it is that you're speaking to us, whatever it is we're dealing with, God, we pray that you would just give us the strength, the boldness, and the courage, Lord, to lay it at your feet, to let you have it and let you deal with it, to let you take it away from us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>